Hello, good people of Europe. So today, me and my co-host Arminto are interviewing Sonia. And yeah, we actually just had a pretty interesting discussion on like really like, where do your priorities lie? What is the hierarchy of needs people have got in life if it comes to money and what matters most? I, yeah, I definitely learned something from it. I hope you find some value in this episode. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Arminta, and Matthias. Hello, everyone. Today, Alvar and I are going to be interviewing Sonia from Money for the Modern Girl who is a European living in the UK and on her path to financial independence with her husband and uh, little girl. So first of all, I'm going to say hi to my co-host. Hello, Alvar. Hey, Araminta. Great to be here. And uh, Sonia, great to be here. How are you? Hello, everyone. I'm very well. And thank you very much for having me. Yeah, this is this is exciting. I met Sonia in the Phi London meetup in August last year. And uh, I think we were both kind of new to the, well, I was anyway new to the meetup scene. So it was kind of exciting to see all these people so into financial independence in London. I, I really enjoyed that meetup. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it, it was my first meetup and I was very excited. And it was the meetup in London where Brad from Choose If I was yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. So it was incredible. incredible. It was. It was really fun. <laughs> um, so uh, before we, we dig deep into our, uh, into our episode, can you tell our audience a bit who you are and what are you doing currently in, in the UK? Yes. Uh, so I'm uh, European, as you mentioned. By birth, I'm half German, half Italian. Um, German mom, Italian father. And I was born and raised in Italy, but I also spent a lot of summers in Germany as a kid. And I always had a very strong link to Germany. I moved to the UK uh, 15 years ago after graduating. And it was supposed to be, you know, for a short-term con- contract uh, project. And I fell in love immediately with London. So I, I just stayed. And it's been 15 years. I met my uh, now husband here, who is German. And yeah, we love it here. We became British citizens last year. And our daughter uh, was born here two years ago. A funny story, she actually became British before we did because she was born here and we had been here long enough for her to uh, be a British citizen. So we became British citizens about six months after her. Uh, Professionally, I work in uh, digital marketing. I specialize in uh, Google Ads. So, you know, all the ads that you uh, see appearing on Google and also the banner ads that normally follow you around after you visit a a website. That is what I do professionally. And yeah, and on the side, I have a blog where I muse and write about financial independence and how I see my personal journey towards financial independence and how I see the world around me. Wow, Sonia, that's, I really like your story. And I just actually read your most recent uh, post living in Brexit land. So taking it from there, I would be really curious, how did you first get in contact with financial independence? What was the one thing that triggered it for you of like, you know, being a part of this movement of weird people who want to be good with money? So I've been aware of financial independence for a long time. I think many years ago, I don't even remember how long ago it was exactly. It must have been through uh, Mr. Money Moustache and other blogs that he mentioned, but somehow I never connected 
completely. So I understand the principles and so on, but it felt it didn't feel very close to me because, you know, I'm European and, you know, Mr. Mani Moustache has this, you know, ability to build a house by his own in in a certain way. It didn't click completely. And I think that just life uh, in the course of years brought me closer to the idea of not having to work forever just to make a living. I was made redundant a couple of times in the last few years. Certainly when my daughter was born, that was also a triggering point. The last time I was, I was made redundant was uh, um, weeks after what my daughter was born. Part of the company was sold off and uh, a few job, uh, jobs were pinned out. One of them was mine. And it was, uh, it was very much a shock. My daughter was born early and by the time I was told that I was losing my job, my daughter was still in hospital recovering. And that is one of those things that really makes you think about what you really want in life and how you want to live and and also who you can trust uh, you know can you trust your employer can you trust the people around you and it just um, channels things and it makes you focus on certain things so I'm now um, it, it's not only one thing that brought me into the financial independence movement but it's certainly it's been um, a step-by-step process that made me focus more and more on on this goal that's uh yeah it's always there's quite a few people who it's been like a quite impacting event like that that triggered their financial independence journey so it's interesting that for you it was quite a life moment really it wasn't just a money moment it was a life moment you realized that uh that yeah you need uh you'd rather be more stable or, or have better safety net and obviously that means managing money uh, in your blog, you talk quite a lot about the the financial independence hierarchy of needs, which is uh, unique to the money for the modern girl. So, could you talk us a bit about this this uh, hierarchy of needs, how you created this pyramid, and and what it consists of, really? The financial independence hierarchy of needs is based on a on Maslow's uh, hierarchy of of need, which is a very well known concept in the field of psychology and marketing. And it's based on what people actually need to live, you know, starting from food and shelter and moving up to community and more luxurious things. What I have done is transpose this concept into the financial independence way. So I start at the bottom of the uh, pyramid with uh, an emergency fund. The first thing everybody should do is build an emergency fund because things can happen in life and you do need money in order to keep on paying your bills. The second step moving up is to take control of your debt, working down all your debt that you have um, from uh, potentially credit card debt or um, other type of consumer debt. Mortgage is a bit of a different uh, kind of debt, I find, because it's normally larger and normally it has a lower interest rate. But anyway, it is debt. So my advice is to work towards uh, reducing it. Then you uh, move one step uh, in the pyramid and you start investing your money. And then one step up again is uh, building your passive income so that you don't rely uniquely on your salary as a source of income. And all these steps moving up help you achieve financial independence, which is your ultimate goal. And with financial independence, really what I mean is being able to choose what you really want to do with your time and with your life and how you want to uh, invest it in a meaningful way. Yeah, I I like this uh, pyramid because it gives quite a step-by-step way of reaching financial independence. Start with your emergency fund, then your debt, 
then invest, then build passive income, and then reach financial independence. So it's quite an easy pyramid. We'll put it in the show notes so other people can can see it. But I think it's it's a nice visual visualization of what financial independence is and how to get there. It'd be interesting to to dive a bit deeper. When you say control your debt, in the UK, we don't have as much consumerism, I think, as in the, the US in terms of credit cards and car, well, debt, well, consumer debt, that's what they call it. And student loan debt is also quite cheap and is forgiven after 30 years. So when you say debt, you well, you said uh, everything except mortgages, right? And would you recommend, for example, paying off completely your mortgage or or your student loan, or is it just consumer debt that you that you recommend? I normally think of debt as debt altogether. And I think that the main point I'm making here is also of awareness. You know, just be aware of having debt and how what effect it can have on you. In terms of mortgage, I have a mortgage. And the way I approach this is that I have made overpayments so far because I wanted to have a lower monthly fee that I pay every month. So my aim was to reduce my fixed monthly costs. Uh, Now that I have achieved a certain uh, reduction in what I pay every month, I'm quite happy with the amount that I pay at the moment. So now I have the choice of focusing, um, of investing my money in other uh, products, in um, in other ways. Um, so it is now I have the choice of, you know, either investing it in something else or keep on uh, making overpayments. But it's um, I am at a point where I am comfortable with the level of my fixed costs in my life so I can make the choice. And financial independence ultimately is about choice. OK. And so yeah, is it fair to say then that not all debt is equal and a student loan slash mortgage debt can be, I mean, obviously within reason, a good debt versus a credit card or like a day loan or payday loan debt. Those would be like the kinds of debt to consider just pay them off as soon as possible. But the better versions in terms of student loans, if you can control them within your budget and pay your monthly payments and still live a good life, they can be acceptable? I think so. It is all, I think it's down to how, um, how you like to live your life. Uh, I think that a student loan is acceptable, although I would prefer, um, I don't have one, uh, but if I did, I would prefer not to and pay down on it. But if you um, are comfortable with living with it and invest your money in other places, then it's okay. Payday loans are really, really bad. The interest rate is just incredibly high. It's shockingly high. And I'm personally quite surprised that it still exists, that people still use them because they are so shockingly high. Um, so that one is definitely one to avoid. And the other the other type of debt, I would say, work towards minimizing the debt you, that you have, but also understand when it makes sense to shift money to other investments. So in this pyramid, I, I show a step-by-step case, but it's not do this first and only then move to the next one and only then move to the next one. Mm. It is a way of working through them, but always, always, always start with an emergency fund. Okay, and it's then altogether, it's about becoming aware and the pyramid itself is a good place to get started, but always do your own research and never ever take just the recommendations um, of others. Be aware of your own choices. So, Sonia, where I would be curious about, let's say we've got our um, debt covered, um, we're happy with that. The next part, how to invest? How do you invest yourself? So I have a fairly conservative, I would say, approach to investing. I'm 
fairly risk averse. So at the moment, my main investments are my mortgage and uh, I have a peer-to-peer ISA where I invest um, most of my excess money. And it was going really well. It was producing very good returns until a couple of months ago. And I put it personally down to the effect of Brexit. Um, I think that people borrowing money through peer-to-peer lending platforms are becoming less tolerant, probably, with the um, with the political landscape. And they are, you know, they're working hard uh, to improve their lives and to build something. And they are seeing uh, instability all around them. So they are choosing. Some of them are choosing not to repay their debt, and that is when the interest that the interest that people like me, um, lenders, are paid, is uh, becoming less. And I do completely understand why they do it. It's of course a shame for my investment that it it is not it hasn't been growing in the last two months. But I still think that on the long term, it's it is a very good investment. I also have some index funds and I have uh, one small investment um, that I made recently through a a crowdfunding platform. So you're taking advantage of the amazing ISA uh, in the UK, right? Absolutely. Yeah, this is a really amazing thing that the UK has that I didn't realize was amazing until I left the UK. Uh, I thought pretty much any country had it, but nope. Uh, the UK allows you to invest tax-free 20000 every single year, and you can take it out whenever you want. You don't have to wait until you're 60 or 65. So that's a huge benefit that the UK has. Exactly. And I, and I find that it's perfect for peer-to-peer because um, you, you can uh, sell some of your loans um, and then take it out. And it normally takes one or two days to have the money back into your account. So it's um, not an instant, but it's very quick. It's definitely a very good solution to not pay tax on your investments. Yeah, exactly. And we we interviewed Jorgen from uh, Denmark. He's very into peer-to-peer lending. So uh, if you want to learn more about peer-to-peer, his website is pretty amazing. You probably follow him too. And he's he's really cool. The next uh, one up after investing is passive income. Now, this is a term that people love to use because passive income obviously is, is a dream that everyone would love. How does one look to build passive income purely through investments or are you uh, looking for other ways to build passive income? So I think that generally speaking, people tend to have either money that they can invest or they have Uh, little money, but a lot of time. They are time rich. So depending on whether you are money rich or time rich, uh, you should either uh, decide to invest, for example, in an index fund, or if you are time rich and you don't have a lot of funds to invest, you can start a um, side hustle, for example, and build something, be it a blog or you know an application or whatever it is. There's plenty of ideas around the internet of what people can do as a side hustle. And I think that's a very good way of uh, building passive income. I personally have um, a rather small uh, website. Uh, well, it's a, it's a good website that produces a rather small uh, passive income. And it is a website in Italian on how to write a good CV in English. I've had it, I think, for seven or eight years. My husband gave me the domain for Christmas that year as an incentive to do it. And I have some income from advertising and occasionally I get a request for a translation. So it's not a lot of money, but it is a way for me to um, explore something to do on, on the Internet through a website and understanding how 
how to monetize a website and how passive income actually can be created. But I think if someone is looking for an idea um, to start a side hustle and doesn't know where to start, I think the podcast side hustle school is probably the best place to start. They have so many brilliant example, uh, examples of what people are doing all over the world. Yeah, I like the words you use, time rich and money rich. For those who have neither, <laughs> uh, I guess uh, a balance or which one would you be more leaning towards? I don't know if someone feels they have neither. It's a personal choice in a way. So if you start with a website and a blog, for example, the startup cost is very small. You can start with maybe 20 or 30 pounds and you can build something. So you can, for example, build a website and you can use it to monetize it and create uh, an income. Or you can uh, use it to show, uh, to learn something and show that you are able to do these things, to show your skills, and then you can transfer that into a job, you know, into a profession. So that is also a way, it's not technically side income, it's not passive income, but you can transfer transfer it into a job and then uh, command a higher salary. So it's about what the person really wants to do. Are they comfortable with technology? If they're not comfortable with technology, probably a website is not uh, the best thing to do. They could do something more offline. It's about understanding also how much you can, how much time you can dedicate. Do you have an hour a day that you can dedicate every day, or do you are you looking for something more sporadic where you can dedicate three hours one week and then no time at all for the uh, following two weeks? It's all about how it fits into the person's life and how what the person, what the individual person wants to achieve. So yeah, so your approach I found it really interesting in the sense of like. How do you prioritize what you do? When do you avoid not doing other things? And it's kind of like always, as with every choice, what are the pros of content? What works best for a person? And also kind of guinea picking on that one. How would you approach someone who has never heard of financial independence before? So a complete, uh, yeah, they're, they're completely unaware of it and they're interested, but that's kind of it. That is a very good question. It's tricky, I would say. A lot of people um, who are not familiar with the concept of financial independence have never actively thought about it. So the way I normally approach it is to say, I don't want to work until I'm 70, for example. I know that I want to stop working sooner. So how do you do that? If someone um, asks me about um, an emergency fund, I normally say, well, think about, you know, Think about a situation where you hate your job, you hate your boss, you hate everything about your job, you want to leave, but you don't have any money. You cannot financially afford to leave this job that you hate. Wouldn't it be better to have an emergency fund and have the flexibility to say, this job is not making me happy, it is not good for me, and it's not good for the, it does not have a good effect on the people around me. Therefore, I choose to leave it and search for something new. So it's about more than saying, I, I just want to retire and stop uh, stop working altogether. It's more about making people understand that they have a choice uh, and that they can have a more fulfilling job. They can choose um, to leave a job if the hours are too many and if they want to work fewer hours. And it's altogether making them understand that 
things don't have to be according to whatever what everybody else is doing. Yeah, I, I like that because sometimes if you tell people uh, retire early or financial independence, I, I want to retire early, and immediately they they're not they they don't believe it's possible. They're not interested. They they think you're dreaming. But if you just start it with the the bottom part of your pyramid, which is the emergency fund, it totally makes sense. That's totally doable. You, you mentioned early retirement, and they think that's impossible. I can't do that. Whereas emergency fund, yeah, of course you can. I mean, it's it's just six months of expenses or six to twelve months of expenses. And if you start with something that's more doable, and you put it in that like phrase that you just did, that's totally yeah, that's much more understandable. I will use that technique in the future. <laughs> So, Matthias, have you ever talked about dividend stocks, Estonian companies, or how frugal you are on the first dates, or with one of your colleagues? I tried it once with a colleague, and he said, dividend what? Aha, uh-huh. do you know, I actually have a retreat that covers this all. Oh, tell me more. So, this retreat, it's all about workshops and talks, together with like-minded folks who share their knowledge with you. Oh, sounds awesome. Do you have also barbecue, yoga, and surfing, and are we able to have a glass of wine? Actually, yes, we do. That's all together combined in Portugal. But the most important question of the day, when is this actually? Will it be in 2019? It's actually in 2019, at 24th of May to 27th at Agave in Portugal, near the ocean. And we have also a pool for people who don't like nature. That actually sounds pretty good. And then where do I find this? Head over to financial-independence.eu slash retreat. That's R-E-T-R-E-A-T. So... Yeah, winter's shit. Looking forward to it. So the way I got my husband on board with it, with financial independence, is by showing him the numbers, very simply. So at the beginning, he was treating this interest of mine in financial independence uh, more as my hobby. He just let me do it. He didn't interfere. He was supportive whenever he could, but he... He didn't see it as his. He didn't see how it would involve him. It was just my thing, my hobby. But then I started showing him the numbers. Look, this is how much money I'm saving. This is how much I'm putting into an overpayment into our flat. This is how much I'm putting into my peer-to-peer ISA. And this is how much interest I'm getting paid on my investment. Look, this is not peanuts. This is, this is making a difference. And that's when he started listening. That's when he started actually doing the same and paying attention to his investments and opening a peer-to-peer investment as well. That's when he started really getting serious about it. And now he uh, understands what I'm trying to do. You know, um, lower fixed costs, um, increase your savings, increase your earnings and just be aware, be conscious and have a goal. Yeah, really, it it depends on the person. Uh, Sometimes, in, in my experience, it's more... Depends how how they're going to react. Maybe they prefer a movie. Maybe they prefer a book. Maybe you just need to talk to them and show them lead by example, right? If you show them that you that that you can do it, then like you say, I I can do it. You can too. You know, it's just just follow the things that I'm doing. And usually that sometimes that works. But sometimes exactly. Yeah, so sometimes, sometimes people tell me, oh, but I like what I do, and I say I also like what I do. I I enjoy my job. I enjoy my profession. I think I'm very lucky in that I picked a profession that I really enjoy and that I'm good at, but I don't want to work forever. Mm. Um, You know, I have a friend who is a doctor in a neonatal unit. She literally saves babies, 
So it's, uh, you know, it's a diff- different argument, you know, with, with doctors, you know, they have a very fulfilling uh, and socially valuable job. But still, does it mean that you will want to work until, you know, the state decides that you're, you can retire? And that is a different thing altogether. Yeah, exactly. And many times, maybe the state won't even be there for you. I mean, usually, hopefully, yes. But if you're someone who's moved around in a lot of different countries and I don't know, maybe you, you won't have a pension waiting for you or or maybe something will happen and there's a new tax rate and you never really know. And so I think it's always good to have that money saved up just in case. Absolutely. Yeah, one example I would like to add. Recently, uh, a colleague of mine accidentally saw the my bank balance on my checking account when I bought a coffee via contact, contactless pay. And that was something like £5,000 in my checking account or something, nothing crazy for FI standard terms. But he was like, how can you have so much money? That's impossible. And after that, I tried to explain to him like how I got there and that it was a really reasonable amount and pretty easy to get in my view. But his initial response was like, that would take me years to even get close to that amount. So that the actual education uh, to somebody who's unknown to financial independence, it's like what you can actually get done with relative ease sometimes still surprises me. Like a relatively small sum can for some people be like enormous. And I knew in this case, his colleague earned far more than I'm actually doing. And that comparison surprised me, but I also found it interesting in that exact situation. Absolutely. And it's um, it's a very personal thing to do, to start a conversation. And it's always, um, one has always to be mindful of how the person reacts, whether the person is willing to listen or not. Because if a person is not open, is not, if a person is not in the right uh, frame of mind or in, not in the right moment in their life, then they're not willing to listen. And then the conversation doesn't have meaning. It may actually backfire and provoke uh, mixed feelings between the two people. So it's very, it's it's a very tactical thing. It's a very tactical conversation that one can have with people who are not familiar with financial independence. Yeah, definitely. And moving back onto uh, your amazing pyramid, the financial independence hierarchy of needs pyramid. What stage would you say you're at? Uh, and while well, obviously you're aiming for financial independence, what what do you think personally your 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 stage is? So I'm definitely in the taking control uh, stage. I've I'm past the awareness and getting serious phase. Um, I am now the only debt that I have is my mortgage. I invest money. I have some passive income, even though I would like to have more. And I'm I'm still quite far away, um, to be honest. I think uh, the main the main thing that is not accelerating my path to financial independence is that I live in London. It's a, a high cost of living area. It's very expensive. And we made a choice of living also in a rather nice area so that the flat that we live in is um, is fairly expensive. And also schooling. You know, it, in, in England, schooling is just really expensive. And it's, it is difficult, especially if you come from a European country where schooling is just so much cheaper. But the problem is uh, my daughter is two years old. She's just over two. And for children under three, there is no uh, state-sponsored um, possibility. There's no state-sponsored nurseries. So you have to pay private uh, private education. 
for your children, and that is very expensive. It's a private private enterprise that is out there to make money, and that's what they do. And they provide an amazing setting. Um, and from an educational point of view, it's amazing. My daughter is very happy there, but it is also very expensive. So these are the two things that are uh, not allowing me at the moment to accelerate my path to financial independence. But uh, we made the choice to do this. It is a conscious decision that we both made and uh, we are okay with it. Uh, We like our lifestyle and we like uh, the decisions that we make in keeping costs under control and saving more and just moving a little slower toward our goal, towards our goal. Yeah, that's great because you're really, yeah, you're under control. You're making the choice. You you know what you're doing. And I think that, that's the most important. You're enjoying the journey, we would say. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and in your in your blog, you also uh, talk about that you, you work as an independent contractor, which is an interesting job. You say that there's a lot of benefits to working as a contractor. Could you tell us a bit more what this job consists of and how is it part of your FI strategy Overall, is it a job that you would recommend to others who are, you know, interested in reaching five, for example? Being an independent contractor is very beneficial in the UK because it has tax advantages. It has very clear tax advantages and you can save a lot of money and you can also have a lot of flexibility in that you can uh, choose contracts of different lengths and then you can have maybe a couple of months uh, break in between and uh, to a certain degree, you you can choose how much you want to work. Having said that, um, I've been recently contacted by a company, uh, an agency, who made me an offer to come on board permanently. So they popped the question, how much do you want to come on board permanently? So I had a think about it. And, you know, I calculated how much the corresponding w- uh, amount would be. And I accepted it. So I am now an employee again at an agency and it's closer to home. So uh, it takes me half an hour to go to work instead of an hour plus and I can cycle to work. And overall, it is a decision. I I didn't think that would happen. I didn't think that I would become uh, an employee again in the near future. But the offer was very good and uh, I like the job that I do there. I like the clients and I like the people that I work with and the overall balance uh, of the whole thing, of my whole job is very much in favour of what I was looking for. So I accepted actually to be an employee again. Woohoo. Well, I mean, if it's, if it's, that's great. That's congratulations. Awesome. Thank you. That's another step to, to FI. Yeah. And in the end, as long as you can fit your lifestyle more closer to your ideal FI lifestyle, that's the goal in the end. And if this does a job, why not? Absolutely. So the, the one thing that was making me quite unhappy in the end was the commute. Um, trains in London are very expensive and they are um, always late and there's always something happening. They're not reliable. They're not reliable yet expensive. And it was really upsetting me a lot. Uh, and very often and not having that for me was very much a bonus. It's funny you say that because uh, just one one little thing is that uh, when when studies uh, analyze uh, people's job satisfaction, many times they might have the best job ever, but if the commute sucks, they hate their job. And many times it's the commute actually that's a huge factor of of the job, you know? And uh, so that's great that now you can cycle to work. I cycle to work too, and it's 
is refreshing. It's really nice. So Yeah, it's beautiful. Changing that up can be amazing. I recently changed jobs myself as well and went from a three-hour commute to a five-minute walk to work, including wow. a 20% pay rise in terms of salary, which is amazing. But the best possible thing was actually getting 15 hours a week of my own time back through changing jobs. A commute can... yeah. Commutes are the most horrible things in the world, uh, unless it's like a nice dedicated period in a train. Like when I was a student, I need, was going to uni in the train, 30 minutes, do some work, listen to a podcast in a really comfortable way. But traffic, buses, no. Commutes can be horrible. And I'm really happy that mine is uh, 10 minutes a day in total right now. But so, yeah, we would also really like to throw over our standard questions uh, to you. We always do that in the end throw over standard questions to our guest and see what kind of awesome responses uh, we get over on them. Uh, so yeah, first of all, I would actually like to ask you, where can our listeners find you? Where can they learn more about you? So they can find me on my blog. It's called moneyforthemodernbookgirl.org. But of course, boys and men are welcome too. We do not discriminate. <laughs> they can send me an email. My email address is sonia at moneyforthemodernbookgirl.org. Um, they can find me also on Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest. I would be very happy for listeners to get in touch with me, exchange ideas. I, I enjoy this conversation that happens behind the curtains. Yeah, for sure. And the meetups, of course. Absolutely. Question number two. What is one resource not well known that you would recommend to others? It could be a blog, a podcast, a book, anything. So I have two books uh, in mind um, that are not strictly speaking about financial independence, uh, and I do mention them in my blog. First of all, um, Mindless Eating, Why We Eat More Than We Think. And it's, it's not a new book. I think it's about 10 or 20 years old, and it's about the psychology of eating. Why, why for example, when we go to parties or why when, when we are in a larger group of, with a larger group of people, we eat more than we eat when we are alone. And that is the mindlessness of the action that is eating. And I think that can transpose directly uh, onto finance. Why do we spend more sometimes when we go out with more friends? You know, we see other people spending, so we buy the same thing. We just do, in a way, what other people are doing. Um, we copy uh, because it's fun. You're, you know, you're having fun. You're all together but also maybe because you don't want other people to see you as not spending as much, not being as fun to be around. Um, and all of these things, you know, how, how, does, um, how does all this unconsciousness, uh, unconscious and mindless activity um, affect your behavior in terms of eating, finance, everything? And once you become aware of it, you can, you can be more active in it. You can, for example choose to go out in a different way or once you become more involved in the financial com uh, independence community you can go out more with uh, these people and you know financial independence people do go out in a different way they choose you know uh, to go to pubs uh, that maybe where maybe the beer is a bit cheaper or they don't um, drink as much beer but they spend more time talking to each other um and it, it all changes, you know, the perceptions. Once, once you become aware of all these things, uh, the perception changes and you become more mindful about how you behave. And the other book that um, I would like to recommend uh, is called 
Overcoming Underearning. And it's written by a woman called Barbara Stani and uh, addresses mainly women, also men, but mainly women. Who So I connected with this book because I was raised in a rather traditional way where, you know, uh, I have a system. We were raised to be well-educated and, you know, good girls, so to say, you know, and find a suitable husband and start a family and so on. And being a professional powerhouse, so to say, uh, was never uh, very big for my for my parents. It was not part of the education, being you know able to provide for yourself or save enough money to be at some point financially independent, also from your spouse or partner. And I think this book addresses this very well in understanding the psychology behind it, why why earning more money is actually good, why um, having more money and if investing more efficiently uh, is can be beneficial and how someone can develop a better relationship with money altogether. Okay, so thank you so much for those little golden nuggets. We'll definitely add them to the show notes and I'm going to check them out myself. Um, and then the last question of today, uh, what would be the number one actionable tip for somebody to get started on the path to find? For me, it's about awareness. Um, so I would definitely say start saving and put it, put your money into a uh, savings account or a uh, an index fund, whatever it is, but put it somewhere where you can actually see your money grow. And I'm not talking a few pennies every other month. I'm talking, you know, serious money, you know, a good chunk of interest and ideally where you can see your money being added every single day because seeing the money grow is actually very powerful. It gives you a lot of energy and it makes you want to do it even more. Yeah, I really like that. That's completely true. If you see your money grow, you'll be much more motivated to keep going because uh, sometimes money is such an abstract concept that we don't really see it. We don't really see our progress, but if you see the numbers, then completely true. Or maybe through a budget even. That's right. So uh, that's all for today. Thank you very much, Sonia, for being on our podcast. It's been it's cool to meet another European uh, who's achieving FI in the UK. And uh, I think uh, there'll be a lot of interesting information for our, our listeners. So thank you again for, for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.